Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. I'm back to talk to you about some of the dog behavior questions you've sent in. And there's actually one cat behavior question. I don't know if I'll get to that today, but uh, we'll definitely get to the dog ones. And I did want to say one more thing about the royal family. I was talking about them on a previous show, and I forgot to mention Megan. Megan has a thing for Cocker Spaniels, and their Cocker Spaniel just passed. So I want to give my condolences to Megan and William for that. And I understand they're, they're getting or got another puppy. So they are Cocker Spaniel people. As I talked about before, all of the royals have dogs, all of them. And as far as I can research, only one has a cat, and that is a distant cousin of the queen. She has a cat, but everybody else has dogs, all kinds of dogs. Now, I know we all think of the royals as having corgis, right? Because that's what the queen was famous for, and she used to have a whole slew of them. She ended, there's only one left now, a descendant of her original, and she bred a new breed of Dash and Corgi crosses. But... <laughs> It's interesting that um, sometimes famous people like to have a dog associated with them because it gives them a certain image. So Winston Churchill had the bulldog, if you remember. And the truth of it is, though, he owned a toy poodle and it was his toy poodle that was rarely seen, always with him, literally always, that gave him comfort, always under his desk. So it wasn't a big image, you know, it didn't give that macho fight the war image. No. So it was hidden, but always there. And I like to think of that little poodle under the desk of the man fighting the war in such serious times, keeping him on track. I do like to think of that. Okay, so we're going to go to some behavioral problems. We've got Lola. Lola is a terrier cross. I've never met this dog. She was rescued from Los Angeles, brought here to Vancouver. She's now age one. Oh, no, rescued at age one. Excuse me. She's now age three. And she has to go to daycare every day, does Lola. Very expensive little Lola, because after five minutes, she will bark her head off if she's left alone. How many of you out there have a dog like that? Lola, 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 Lola. I've seen a picture of Lola. She's adorable. Big, fluffy face, terrier sort of, but I don't know, crossed with something adorable. And um, when the person was emailing me and texting me about this dog, the spell check accidentally corrected the word terrier to terrorist. And I actually thought that was kind of appropriate. So for those of you who don't know, terriers are very feisty, very intense, very reactive dogs. They're really good at learning tricks. So they're very entertaining. They're lovely to have around. But they're busy, busy little animals. And Lola, Lola doesn't like to be alone, apparently. So she's learned that if she freaks out, she gets whisked away to someplace more interesting like daycare. So what do we do for Lola? Okay, well, just like the car rides, we need to start slow. So Lola needs to be left alone often and tiny little increments, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, each time building a little bit, each time you go back to her when she's quiet. Now that's hard to do at the beginning. So you almost have to leave her for like, if she's good for five minutes, leave her for four. Come back, do something with her, a few minutes, give her a bone, give her a meal, do something, brush her, whatever, and then leave again. Go check your mail. 
go walk around the block, go to the neighbor's house. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just a little bit of separation, come back. If you have more people in the house than just one, have different people coming and going. So she doesn't really know who's home. She doesn't even know that she is alone because someone just left, but then she heard the door and someone just came and now there's someone else there and she'll stop keeping track. So another thing about separation anxiety is most of the time, the people who suffer from this are doing huge greetings, big, weepy, long goodbyes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to leave you. This kind of thing. And big, celebratory, explosive greetings when they come home. Oh, oh, poor Lola. Oh, we were gone. Okay, knock it off. <laughs> Make coming and going like it's no big deal because it isn't a big deal. You want your dog to have a comfortable place where it can't destroy things, where it only has access to its toys. If it's going to be a long time, maybe water and, and food, but like I say, you're starting slow. So for a five minute, you don't need water or food. For 10 minutes, for 15 minutes, for 20 minutes, for the first few days of training, just leave the dog with its toys in a safe area, maybe baby gated, maybe a crate if it's crate trained. Oh, let's hope it's crate trained. And, and then just come back, make it no big deal. Have talk radio or TV playing somewhere in the house so they hear voices. And like I say, make it so your dog just doesn't even care anymore. It's no big deal when you come and go and they can't keep track of it. And gradually go from five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 minutes to a half hour. If during that initial period, you're having lots of success and there's one day where you just know you're going to be out too long, it's going to be like an eight hour stretch or something, pay somebody to visit the dog, get a friend, do, do something like that. So you don't set yourself all the way back. So the dog knows that even when it's going to be long, someone will come take it out. And for those long bits, you do need to leave some water. So that's what I would do with separation anxiety. Start right away. And if you're listening and you have a puppy and you think a cage is cool, I would suggest that you should rethink that one. And we're going to go to break and we're going to come back and talk about why a cage is not cool. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're back on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. And cages are not cruel. Cages are not cruel because dogs like dens. They like dark places with one opening. They like to feel safe. They don't want to look at your overhead lighting all day. They don't want to be out in the middle of a crowded party with people they don't know or kids pulling at them or people stepping on them or drunk people dropping stuff They don't, or, or sharp things on the ground or cigarette butts burning them or all these sorts of things. If you're having a get-together, a gathering, a party, your dog would love a place to go escape to if he needs it. He may not need it. He may be the life of the party. The party may be so polite and well-mannered 
that there's no threat to him at all. But on the other hand, if kids start popping balloons and running around like crazy and he's getting stepped on and he's only eight pounds, he needs a crate to go to. And you're not doing him any harm by giving him a safe haven. So how we do that is we start with puppies, or even if you're listening now and you have a dog, you can start now. If you have a dog that doesn't know a crate, buy a big crate, bigger than what's required for his size, open the door of it or remove the door and start giving him treats in there. Start hiding bones in there and toys in there, cuddle him in there, make his favorite blanket in there. Don't even put the door on for the first couple of weeks. Feed him all his meals in there. Now in a couple of weeks, put the door on, leave it open. After that goes well, for you see him hanging out in there all the time. You see him chewing his bone in there. He's playing with the squeakies in there. He likes it. Close the door for 10 minutes one time. Open it again. Repeat. Just make sure he's not barking or wailing to get the door open, that he's always quiet when you open that door. And he'll be kennel trained in no time. But why am I suggesting this so strongly? Because when there's an emergency, any kind of emergency, your dog is injured or there's a fire or an earthquake evacuation, you're flying, any kind of situation like that, a crate is a godsend because you'll get to a shelter and they won't be accepting any more animals. But yours in a crate will be taken in. You'll get to some kind of shelter for humans where no dogs are allowed, like a hotel in an earthquake situation. And your dog will be allowed in because you have a crate in this no pets allowed hotel room. You'll have a situation where your dog is all of a sudden injured and has to go to the vet. And the last thing you want is him stressing over the fact that he's in a cage at the vet. You want him to be comfortable. So it's really, really important that dogs like their crate. And I would suggest it's just as important for cats. And um, it's just as easy. Cats love crawling into boxes and small spaces. So you just get a small carrier, probably a little bit bigger than your cat. And you hide catnip in there, toys. You put blankets in there. You pet them in there. Same idea. Don't even need the door the first week or two. Then add the door. Eventually, your cat will know it as its safe space. So if you do have to get in a car and drive and your cat hates the car, at least it's comfortable in its crate. So I really, really like these cages and crates, especially the ones that don't let the light in. I know for our human sensibility, we like the crates that are all open and you can see in them and you can see out. Well, dogs and cats don't really like that. They like to be secure in a dark, closed space. So if you did buy that open one and you're kind of thinking, uh-oh, what did I do? As long as your dog isn't a blanket chewer, just throw a big comforter over it. Now you've got a closed crate and he'll be much happier in there. Okay, so we covered crates and we covered Lola, the terrorist terrier. So here's another one. Another dog who wasn't trained, was trained with a crate, but then they put the crate away when it was about 10 months old and never took it out again. And now the dog's about five or six and the people have moved a bunch of times and also the kids left the house, so empty nesting. So the, the dog was used to another dog and younger people in their 20s living there. And now the dog is alone with one person in the house who works a lot and travels a lot. So the dog is pooping on the floor and the dog is wailing when it's left alone. And <laughs> uh, the dog isn't always coming anymore when called. So we got a bunch of problems and the dog is jumping up. Oh my goodness. How are we going to cover all these problems today in one show? Well, we're going to try. If you have a dog who's jumping up or pooping on the floor or wails when alone or pulls on leash or lunges or any other problem, please go to Deb Wolf Pet Expert on YouTube, where I not only talk about it, but I demonstrate with real live naughty dogs and they show you how stubborn and difficult they are. You can find one that's kind of like yours and then see how I deal with it. 
there's, it's a, there's a little bit of flexibility. Every dog learns just sort of different ways they learn. Like when I'm making a German Shepherd heel, I will allow the dog, every time I, it pulls out in front, I will allow it to circle me and go back to heel position because that's how they think and work. I won't do that with other dogs. They don't need that. So different dogs work differently. The Shelties and all the herding dogs, if you call them and walk toward them, they will not come because you're sending them the message that the direction we're going is that they're going the right direction. Continue. So with one of these dogs, there was another dog called uh, I don't know, an Australian shepherd, I think it's called Coco Bean, who doesn't come when called. And the owner says, I can call and call and call and she just won't come. And I walk toward her and she just takes off. Of course she does. You're signaling her that that's the direction to go. Just walk the other way and Coco Bean will immediately realize, uh-oh, I'm the wrong way. I'm a herding dog. I must keep with my herd, with my shepherd. I will come. And she'll come right to the back of your foot, really, and then go out in front of you and lead the way again. So... <laughs> But your signaling with your motion and your body has to be consistent with your words. And that brings us to this jumping dog. The jumping dog, if you say off and down and you yell and you scream and you get all upset, but at the same time, you're talking to your dog and you're touching your dog and you're giving it attention, you're giving it a mixed message. All it wants is your attention so, so badly when you come home from work or school. It just wants attention, like desperate, desperate for it. It doesn't care if you're yelling doesn't care if you're scolding. Any attention is better than no attention. So the trick to that is invisible dog game. When your dog's jumping, pretend you can't see it. Pretend it's completely invisible. The second it sits, pet it. Now for a big dog who's used to this, you're going to need a second person to start and you're going to need a leash. So stage it. Text your friend, say, I'm coming home. I'm on the doorstep. I'm about to walk in the door. Your friend puts the leash on the dog. Your friend tells the dog to sit maybe even holds the dog in a sit physically, if need be. You pet the dog. Hello, good dog, sit, good dog. The second the dog breaks the sit, you don't see it. It's invisible. Withdraw your touch, withdraw your voice. You don't see it. It's not there. It's invisible. Your friend will make it sit again. Now touch it, pet it. Repeat that until your dog understands. If I sit, everybody pets me. If I jump, nobody sees me. Your dog will figure this out so quickly, a couple of days. And you just need to put it on leash and do this with the people that it jumps on the most. And all it wants is attention. So if sitting gets it the attention it wants, it will sit. If jumping gets the attention it wants, it will jump. It's as simple as that. So you just have to turn it around. And I know you can do it. I know you can. It's a pretty easy one to do. And I've demonstrated it on Deb Wolf YouTube. There's a little bit of an advanced problem that sometimes comes with this. And this is more jumping on furniture, but it's sometimes jumping on people. Sometimes a dog will learn that it gets praised when it gets off the furniture. It gets praised when it stops jumping on the people. But in order to get that praise, it has to do the wrong thing first. So a dog will jump on the couch, so you'll tell it to get off, and then it can get told, good dog. So in that case, you do have to leash it and prevent it from jumping on the couch or the person. So you can praise it for being off without having to do the bad thing first. It's really easy. You just need a leash and another person to volunteer and practice, practice, practice. And your dog will know the word off, lie down, and know those words mean people are going to praise it. On Deb Wolf Pet Expert uh, YouTube, I also show how to do this with kids. And there's a really fun game. What time is it, Mr. Wolf? We all used to play as kids where you, one person approaches a group of kids all standing in a line facing them. And um, it's a call game, but we can do it with a dog. So the adult holds the dog on a leash and the kids are all standing in a line facing the dog. 
And the adult calls out, what time is it, Mr. Wolf? And the kids call back. And however many number, if they say three o'clock, you take three steps forward. But (laughs) what you want to do with this game is put dog commands in there. So every time the dog is listening, he gets to go forward toward the kids. And every kid has a cookie or a ball. And every time the dog jumps or misbehaves or does anything it's not supposed to do, it goes backwards three steps. And it won't take long at all, maybe two rounds of this game for the dog to learn that it must sit and behave to receive treats from children. The dog will no longer jump on children after playing this game. And the kids love it. So check it out. What time is it, Mr. Wolf on Deb Wolf Pet Expert on YouTube? All right, we're going to go to break and we're going to come back with, let's see, well, more dog problems, that's for sure. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. And we're going to cover the pooping on the floor. Okay, the pooping on the floor. We need a crate. We need a confined area. We need to redo house training. This dog was trained for five years and now it's pooping on the floor because people moved out. The house changed. Ladies traveling. So much change. What it needs is consistency. So it might need a kennel. It might need a baby gated area in the house. It needs something very small and controlled where it knows what's up. Same kind of thing as the separation anxiety stuff. You want to visit the dog a lot. Don't leave it alone too much now that it's adjusting to the new reality Put on some talk radio, make less fuss about comings and goings. Make sure you've got regular meals and regular poop breaks always. So 20 minutes after your dog eats, get it out to poop. Do not leave it alone in the house, needing to use the bathroom when it's in a state of upset. That's just so simple. Take it out. Make sure it poops first, then leave it. Okay, so we covered that quickly. I hope that owner will get back to us and give us more details on how it goes and check out the tips on YouTube as well. All right. So we had a puppy come to camp and it was used to free feeding with its buddies that it comes with its other dogs, but it started to get aggressive with the other dogs it comes with. So it's in a family of multi dogs and it's only a puppy. It's only about six months old. 
And they used to just free feed, you know, a bowl of food, three bowls, three dogs, no problem. Dogs would eat. But all of a sudden, this dog started to growl and snarl and try and take food away from the others. And normally, I recommend that you feed dogs separately, either at different times or at the same time in a different place. You don't want one dog you know, getting obese and the other dogs being skinny. You don't want dogs being nervous and having to eat too quickly to, to compensate so they don't have their food stolen. You want food security. That's a basic. If you want your dogs to get along, they have to be secure about food. But in this case, because they were getting along so well for so long, and this is just a recent little habit, probably happened that somebody stole his food once or that one time he didn't eat enough. And he's growing. So when puppies are growing, you know, you start with a cup of food and then a month later, they have to have a cup and a half and then they need two cups. And, then, and sometimes you're a little bit off on your, on your judging that. So probably one day he was hungry and now he's fighting for his food. So they can try to get back their harmony of free feeding quite easily. I would suggest, since they've already told me, I, I asked first, are your other dogs or any of them suffering from health problems or obesity? No, they're all good weight. They're all thin. Are any of them overeaters? No, they're not. We, we used to leave the bowls on the floor and nobody would even finish them. Okay. So in that case, all you need to do is kind of like musical chairs, you know, where there's not enough chairs and you play this game and one person's out. Okay. Have more chairs. So if there's three dogs, have five bowls. If there's four dogs, have six bowls. Make it so this dog has no reason at all to fight, that his food security is there no matter what happens. If a bigger dog pushes him off his dish, he can go to another dish. If he finishes all the food in his dish, there's always more. So we want to teach him that. Now, if you have Labrador retrievers, golden retrievers, food hounds that just eat everything, you can't do this. You can't free feed and you can't leave food around and you have to measure meals that is a case where you want to feed the dogs in separate areas at the same time and control their feeding. So that's a different case. But oftentimes with poodles, I find they're really not very food motivated. In fact, you have to really trick them to eat almost like cats. So in that case, they don't finish all their food and they don't tend to fight over food. And you're, you're probably okay to have a, a shared environment. We've got Callie. Callie is three. And she's unspayed and she panics in the car. But she also has a sensitive stomach and eats grass. This is all I know about her. <laughs> I wish I knew more. So when you send me a pet question in the future, it's always good to tell me a little bit of background. How long you've owned the dog? What his puppy time was like, if you know. If it's spayed or neutered, that's good. What breed? I don't know if Callie is a toy breed or a giant breed from this description. So it's a little difficult to know. Now she's three and unspayed. So that makes me ask, why is that? Are you planning to breed her? If she has stomach issues and panics in the car, she would not be a dog I would ever breed because those things could be hereditary, the fear as well as stomach sensitivities. So I'm not sure why you're leaving her unspayed to breed. And oftentimes when a dog is spayed or neutered, it gains confidence dramatically. So, and that's partly because of its position in the pack. When a dog is intact, it draws a lot of heat from other dogs, a lot of unwanted attention. So once you spay or neuter it, it meshes with the pack and the world of dogs so much better. Cats too. It's just less, less of a desired target for aggression and, and sex. So I would say right away, if you're not going to breed her, spay her, talk to your vet, and figure out when you should spay her. As far as the sensitive stomach goes, you can do diet trials. The fact that she's eating grass is not the problem. I know the, the 
way the email reads, she seems to think the grass is causing the problem. Dogs and cats eat grass to try and purge things. So it's like a, a shot of fiber almost in wheatgrass like humans eat. They're just trying to get rid of something that's bothering them. So it's not the grass that's bothering the dog. But you can do diet trials. It takes a long time to figure out what in a food is aggravating your dog, what the allergy or sensitivity is. So you might want to just do a dramatic switch. So if your dog is on something like, I don't know, a chicken and rice, you might want to just switch to a duck and potato food. So you're switching both the grain and, and the protein and the make. So you're probably switching the preservatives. See how that goes for a few weeks. And if that doesn't work, try something else. That's what I would suggest. You can also talk to your vet about that. They're really good at figuring out diet issues. But the stomach and the car could be connected. If your dog's afraid of the car and panics in the car and is going in the car a lot, it might be nervous and upset because of the car and eating grass to deal with that extra acid in the stomach. So all that could be related, in which case you got to follow my earlier advice. Lots of happy car trips. Figure out if your dog is car sick first. Treat it for nausea if it is. Lots of happy car trips to happy places over and over and over and over. And try and figure out what diet will work best for Callie through trial and error. All right, everybody. Well, that's been a big show. Lots of dog behavior problems. And I hope you'll get some help from my demonstrations with the adorable naughty dogs on Deb Wolf Pet Expert on YouTube. And as always, you can check out our puppies at Doodle poodlepuppies.com. We have two litters right now, golden retrievers and golden doodles. And we also have some older puppies that are being trained, standard poodle puppies. They already know house training. They're working on come sit, stay heel, and they will make amazing dogs, amazing family dogs, smartest dogs in the dog world. Top three, border collies, Dobermans, and standard poodles. But standard poodles do not have the hyperactivity of the border collie, and they do not have the guarding issues of the Doberman. They don't wake up each morning trying to decide who's the leader of the pack, like the Doberman does. And they don't wake up each morning wondering where the sheep are, like the border collie. They wake up each morning wondering how they can be the ideal member of your family. And they don't shed, and they're super sweet. So if you're looking for a poodle puppy, check us out. Facebook has lots of pictures. Facebook Camp Good Dog has lots of pictures of the five poodle puppies running around. They were born in March. They're fully vaccinated. They're ready to go. And well, right now they're half trained, soon to be fully trained. They'll make marvelous dogs. So if you like watching puppies, check out Camp Good Dog on Facebook. And uh, from me, Deb Wolf, and Animal Party and Pet Life Radio, thanks for listening. Be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.